We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What is going on, my friends? And welcome back to another audio adventure here on Insight. I'm Chris Van Fleet, and thank you so much for coming back each and every episode. Although I will say that if you were to only listen to one episode that would have a profound effect on your life, it would be this one. Because so much of who we are is tied to who we think that we are or who we think that we should be. Anthony Trucks is a former NFL player who's now a transformational identity shift coach and a keynote speaker. And he drops all kinds of knowledge bombs during this conversation. And he has a phenomenal story. You can find him on social media at Anthony Trucks. You can find me at Chris Van Fleet. And wherever you listen to his podcast right now, you can find Anthony's podcast called Aw Shift. I was actually just a guest on his show, so you'll be able to hear that episode soon. While you're on there, give a follow or a subscribe to Aw Shift and give a follow or subscribe to Insight if you haven't already. Let's get right to it. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Anthony Trucks. Do it. We are doing it, man. Somebody is doing it. I just love the energy that you bring. I love it. I'm, I'm, and this is me. I am, I'm at the back end of a week and this is me a little bit subdued, but I'm still on bro. Like we rock and roll. You dialed back is like a 12 out of 10 for most people. I don't know about all that, man. You know, it, it feels that way. I just, I keep thinking, I'm still thinking. I think some people get tired. Like, I don't, I don't, so I just don't do that. That's never me though. Like if I'm awake, I'm awake. I'm never like, uh, I'm never like quiet. You know what I mean? Like I'm quiet, but I'm not quiet at the same time. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a weird dude, man. It the works. secret is as long as you're smiling, you can convince yourself that you're actually feeling good. No matter how tired you are. I think you can. And I'm always for the most part smiling. I get to meet cool dudes like you hang out all the time, bro. I'm good, man. We can do, how, how can that be bad? 
It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Your story is amazing. We're going to dive into this, but I want to start off with the thing that you are an expert about, which yes. is identity shift. And break that down for us. What exactly does it mean to have an identity shift? So let's first go, go to the root of it. What's an identity, right? When, mm. And we hear that and a lot of people hear it and go, oh, it's this separate thing, like a soul and a spirit. I'm like, nope, it is not. It is a very tangible, very real thing that a lot of people have rocking and rolling in the background, but majority of the time are completely unaware of the power it holds. Like it's, think of like a computer, like we're on a computer right now, I am, you are, and we have this hardware, the screen, the microphone, all these things, this is the hardware, right? And then we have the software and we have programs. Well, the programs are like, you know, the Zoom we're using and Chrome we're using. The software, the operating system runs it all. Now, if for some reason, the operating system gets bogged down or something goes off, what happens to the programs? They crash, right? Mm. Doesn't matter how good the hardware is. I could have a brand new computer screen. Doesn't matter that I just downloaded the software program. Like, because if that operating system goes kaput, I'm done. Now, it's always in the background. You never see it. But in our life, that's our identity. And the programs, our relationships, our health, our, our wealth, our hobbies, right? And our physical bodies, our body. So when we talk about identity, essentially, there's this background thing running our life and we aren't running it. It's just there. It was built. It was created. Long, when we were growing up, people told us things, we learned things, TV said stuff, preacher said stuff, teacher said stuff, mom said stuff, radio said stuff. All these things got woven in and we just kept living our life that way. And so what happens is when we get to a point of wondering, why don't I have certain things? It's not a matter of, of the information that you don't have because we all have great information that we don't use. We have it. It's who are you with it? Do you do anything with what you know? And not just do it to the level that feels good to you because that's, that's what we call the, the, the level of your identity. It's the peak of it. So when I say an identity shift, what I'm going is saying, look, the identity you have right now has everything that you have. That's It's responsible for all the things you have. It's also responsible for everything you don't have because you don't do the things that with what you know to get to that level. So when I talk about a shift, I'm saying, let me shift you into the identity that has all the things you want. Think of it like this, simple metaphor, not even a metaphor, life experience. There are people that I work with and I get to rock and roll and they're like, oh man, I can't get that done because I'm busy here and I got to have this conversation here. And you know, I was going to do this thing right here and man, I'm going to have to wait till Monday. And I said, okay, great. Hey, Tim, hold on a second, bro. Uh, you just told me what you wanted to accomplish. You said you want to do this, this, and this, right? Yeah. You want to make more money, right? Okay, great. Would the person who has all the things that you want make that excuse? Mm. And it's like, oh, you're right. Yeah, I am right, right? And, and it's not, it's not right. I'm not because I'm special, but it's reality. And so I go that at the end of the day, the, the reason that that's going on, it's not because you don't have the info, because you do. It's not because you have the resources, because you do. It's because you got to the point where your identity is opposed to stretching into it, said, I got to find a way out of this. It's too hard. It's too difficult. I don't know anything. And so when we shift, we shift to the identity that wouldn't even consider, even it wouldn't even cross the mind to think like that. It yeah. just gets done. They're not guessing. So that's in a long answer, hopefully making sense. That's an identity shift. I think that so many people are not self-aware enough to even know what their identity is. And I think it's actually someone calling them out and them going, oh, you're right. I actually am like that or I'm not like that. Yeah. And we can find it, but you're right. But think about it. I love the statement of it is hard to see the label when you are inside the jar. Mm, so good. How do you see it? Like, you don't know. You're just doing your thing and living your life. You're like the tornado, but you're just running around. People are like, what are you doing? What do you mean? What am I doing? Why are you, why are you always in new relationship with the same chick with a different name? What do you mean? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's the same and it's because we don't see it. 
And it's okay. It, it's, it, it's, it's not something where you're always, I don't think I'm 100% self-aware. I never, I never could be. But I'm highly self-aware because of the work I'm constantly doing. And that's a hard place to work into. But you don't have to live in self-awareness. You just have to be there for a moment and go, ooh, you know what? I don't like this life or I don't yeah. like this wife or husband. I don't like my body. I wake up for a second. And as opposed to convincing yourself, it's okay so you can sleep better at night, wake up and go, I'm not okay with this, man. Like this, It doesn't feel right. And we can all say that about anything and well, something in life. I can say it about things in life too, right? And I go, oh, and then I have a choice. Choice one is I go ahead and make an ownership of this and go, there's something off. I got to work on it. I got to do it. Choice two typically is when people choose, they go, no, 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 there's nothing wrong with me. I'm good. It's like, no, brother, is there something off? No, I'm good. I, I, I hear about, I don't want to deal with it. Like or make excuses to why we shouldn't work on it. And we get stuck in that same perpetual cycle because to be honest, choice one is hard. It tests the ego. It makes us think there's something wrong with us. And there never is, never was. And the moment that people can get to that point, like you said, of being aware of like, ah, oh, dang. Yeah, yeah, this kind of sucks. And own it. Like if you can give yourself permission to suck, you can finally give yourself permission to improve. And that 100% is a self-awareness area. What about the people who limit themselves in their identity? Oh, I'm not a runner. Oh, I'm big boned. Uh, you know, oh, I, I never remember names. We hear that stuff all the time. Yeah. I don't know if they limit themselves. I don't know if it's a limiting factor or uh, a lazy factor. Because mm. it doesn't come off. It's, for example, I know I'm not a runner. Right? I'm, a big, I'm a bigger guy. I'm 6'1", like 220. I'm not a long distance runner. However, if I think about it, I could be. So when I say I'm not that, it's because I don't want to be that. I'm, I'm too lazy to be that. The problem isn't whether or not you are or not. It's whether or not you think you are or not. And that's it. And it's what you choose to want to be. So like, I, I'm not a singer, but I could try to sing. You know, I've, just, I've made this agreement and the human beings, we will say things and tell stories and then live in a way to make those right. So when I say I'm not X or not Y, I'm kind of also making a choice that I don't want to be that. Mm. And that's also okay, but it, but realize that it's not you. It's not that you aren't this thing. It's that you you don't want to be that thing. It's, I think it's a difference if you can grasp that. Because when if I sat here and said, "Look, um, somebody told me I got a letter in the mail, and they said that if I can't run a marathon uh, in the next you know sixty days, they're going to kill my kids." Bro, I'm a I'm a effing runner. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I am a runner now. I will yeah. I will be running all day long. And that that's the difference. It's do I want to? Am I motivated to? Yeah. You've had such an incredible life up to this point. Your story is amazing. So I want to dive into it a little bit. And I want to know what, what was your identity when you were Anthony Trucks, the kid? Uh, man, I didn't, I didn't, I don't know if I had an identity. We'll say a kid, we'll, we'll get an age to it. We'll say six years old. Okay. So three years old, I was given away, bounced around the system in the foster care world for a lot. Really bad people that I had to live with. By six years old, my identity was my mom doesn't want me. The world doesn't care about me because these foster parents are kind of crazy. And uh, I'm just, I'm just here. I don't have, I have no clue what I'm supposed to do. I'm just here, present. And there's no love. There's no affection. The developmental years of my childhood were horrible. And yeah, man. So, so that guy back then, my identity was non-existent. It, I mean, it existed, but in a negative manner mm. to where like, I didn't feel like I deserved or needed or should get love. You know, it was a weird dynamic. It's things I wanted. But if your own mom doesn't give it to you, what, what makes you think you deserve it, right? So the identity of that kid at six was, a, was a, just a vast, vastly sad little kid. And it sucks because he had no control over it. You know what I mean? Like I had no control over that child and what was going on there. 
And then it changed. It shifted over the years. I got put into a family. It's my family now. Uh, I was the only and still am like, well, except my, my brother-in-law, the only black person in an all-white family. So I grew up in a weird, like non-diverse area as the only kid that looked like this, really, really poor. And so the other part of identity is like, I'm an outcast too, because I don't look like these people. I go to restaurants. People don't think I'm with them getting made fun of at school. So there's that part of it, you know, it's, it's tough, man. My entire childhood was this complete disarray and instability of a sense of who I was. And then I feel like this is from the outside looking in as your friend here. I feel like when you found sports, your identity completely shifted. Oh yeah. Yeah. Completely. Well, and not at first, not at first. Mm. At first it was, uh, it was anchored into the fact that I suck (laughs) because I sucked. (laughs) So, right. But then what happened was it was the the vessels, kind of the vehicle, maybe the vehicle. It was the vehicle and the catalyst. Here's why it was the catalyst. The catalyst is the purpose, the reason. I, I wanted to be good at sports, right? Because that was the reason why I wanted to do better. It was also the vehicle for a shift because in order to, to, to actually become this stronger, more confident guy, I needed some way to do that. And, and we can't, as human beings, you can't achieve without transforming. And you can't transform without achieving. So if I wanted to transform into that guy, which that wasn't the goal, I had to achieve something, but I also wanted to achieve it first. I just want to be better at football. Well, in order to be better at football, I had to do some things as a human being to get there. I had to do certain things, take certain actions, handle certain feedback, people making fun of me. And so what ended up happening is while it was the catalyst was the reason I wanted to get better, it was also the vehicle because as I did the things to become better as an athlete, I made this massive internal shift. I tell people through my, my journey, I experienced and learned that what you create, creates you. And when I say create, if you think about like making something, it's hard to make something. But once you've made it, you aren't the same person that happened to make that thing. You're the maker. Yeah. Right. So if I'm David, you know, or Michelangelo making David, I didn't just sculpt a statue on that guy. I'm like, no, I'm a sculptor now. Yeah. And that's the difference. So football allowed me to become a football player, which then shifted my identity into a different sense of confidence and hope for who I am. I mean, when you when you get signed to an NFL team, that's your identity. Like that becomes your identity. That becomes your identity for the rest of your life. You are either an NFL player or you are now a former NFL player. And that'll be the thing that like is your title moving yeah. forward. Yeah, it, it, it locks in. Uh, and, and we'll find out in time when we'll get there, but it does it a good and a bad way, right? It's, there's <laughs> the problem with that we can go there now. The problem with, with locking in like the football's identity or for you as the interviewer or whatever it is, right? Yeah. When your identity is there, I tell people it's kind of like a tree. And it's like, if you think about it, that was the fruit of our labors, apple tree. And so the apple, the fruit of our label, it falls off the, the, the tree and it sucks, right? This, this apple, this fruit of football at some point falls off or military falls off. Kids go to college, a uh, relationship fails. I lose a job. I lose some money. Somebody passed away. Something changes, even if it's proactive even if I left my job on purpose, right? And I went somewhere else. So that apple that you were building, it fell off the tree yeah. and it can last for a little bit. You, you can last on the ground. Farmer can pick you up, take you to the store, go to somebody's house, but eventually you will rot. And that's how you feel inside, rotten. And the sucky part is a lot of people will live the rest of their lives this way, never yeah. realizing that you have never been the fruit. You've always been the tree. But there's so many examples in, I'll use Hollywood as an example. I'll use some names that people are all familiar with. Nobody yeah. looks at Mark Wahlberg and goes, oh, that's just the guy from the Calvin Klein ad. That's ah, just the guy from Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Yeah. Nobody 
relate and goes, that's ah, just that NSYNC guy. Yeah. We look at them and go, yeah, they're also an actor and a producer and all these other things yeah. that they created. And the same way that The Rock is not just a wrestler. Yeah. The Rock is you know, now the biggest star in the world. Yeah. And it's funny is all these people, I bet you, I bet if you sat with them and asked them how many people really know you, they'd be like, no, nah, nobody really knows me. Hmm. Like they've done these things and us as society, we will identify them by those things and they'll identify themselves as well. But their identity, it's none of what you listed. Because hmm. I mean, I've talked to people and like, they're like, yeah, man, people, they see my social and they see the videos and the movies. And I show them stuff, but they don't, man, they don't really know me. They don't really, really know me. And that's, that's right there. Tell them like, okay, well, part of you, the different part, your true self and identity, like it's, it's back behind the scenes. And that means you aren't what you did. And here's the thing is you can tell and gauge whether somebody truly is, has an anchored identity or not based on how they handle the setback. So for example, some people may lose a job or lose a career, whatever it is, and they end up falling apart, shaving yeah. their heads and going to rehab centers. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then some people, these things happen and they're like, all right, on to the next thing. Yeah. And the difference essentially is where do they see their strength? Do they see their yeah. strength in who they are? And they're like, hey, I, hey, that's cool. I, I as a human, I know who I am. I can take this to a new project. I can create more fruit, more abundant fruit somewhere else. I'm gonna go do something else. Or do they go, I lost all of me. I lost my, my gig as an actor. I, I'm nothing now. Who am I without this, this gig? You know, it's like, that's a problem because now you are that thing. Now, do I think that these individuals you listed have solid identities? Yes, because they've all had ups and downs and they've all gone through hardships. So they probably have an anchored point of it, but it isn't what you listed. Yeah. What, where was the shift for you? Because, you know, it was your dream to play in the NFL. Mm -hmm. you, you got signed to a deal, then an injury yeah. took you out yeah. and that, that was it. Boom. It was over. Gone. Gone. I'm home, baby. No, it was, uh, <laughs> it sucks. Heck it sucks. You know what I'm saying? It's sure. Uh, but I mean, it's the journey. Uh, and I think that it happens in many times and unfortunately for a lot of people, it happens haphazardly by accident, right? It ends up being this thing for, for us in a world of going in and saying, well, wh where's this identity? When did it happen? And we've always done it, but accidentally. And literally as a kid, I did it at 15. I did it again when I became a dad at, at 20 years old at, at, in college in Oregon. I did it when I found my dad when I was in, in college. I did it when I was in the NFL and I went into that stage. I did it when I left the stage. I did it when I was divorced. I, the problem is most of the time we are reacting and not responding. Hmm. What do you mean by that? So when I, when I go into a, a situation in life and I'm reacting, something crazy goes, it happens, all that falls apart. We have this in, like inherent sense to just do something. It's like, it's a reaction. You just do something, right? And quite literally, that's actually your identity showing up in true form because your identity really, it's, it's who you are when you aren't thinking about who you are. It's just the things you do, how I respond, how I say things, how I see stuff. Do I judge? Do I not? Am I optimistic? Am I not? All these little pieces, the beliefs, the thoughts, they all just, they come flying through in moments. And like, when you can't, when you can't grab it back, it's like, oh wait, that that's really who I am. I said that thing. It's not PC, but it's who I am, right? That's what it is. But when I respond, that's a vastly different situation. Cause what it says is this happened. I would love to punch that dude in his face, but you know what? I'm not the kind of guy that does that in the parking lot. And, and that, that statement is, I'm not the kind of guy. I'm identifying as, that's not who I am, right? Or someone pulls a cigarette out, my gut would be like, oh man, I want to smoke that because I'm a smoker maybe. And I smoke that, oh yeah, that's a, that's a reaction. Oh, I just couldn't, I couldn't stop it. Or I can go, you know what? Ah, let me think about this for a second. The, the part of my brain that wants that satiation, like that would do it, but I am not a smoker. 
I've identified, right? Yeah. So the response and reaction, the difference I believe is like, I get to choose who I want to become. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately for a lot of us, these identities, we reacted in life, you know, that something fell apart. My relationship fell apart. So I was like, I don't know. I started going to the club and next thing I'm with another woman. I'm like, damn, I was even single for like a week, you know, like that happens. Or I, I lost this job and I need money. And I just, what do I do? Someone's going to oh, give me money, right? I react. I don't think like, what if I take this job and no other jobs available? And what if I, you know, and something else happens? We don't think about that. We're just, I need this. I need this. I need this. We react to life. Yeah. And when you react throughout life, you're haphazardly creating your identity. But the cool thing is once you've identified as something, it gives you a sense to actually have more of a power of response because then I can have these moments happen still. And I go, ah, you know what? It's not who I am. Yeah, yeah I, I don't want to be a stripper. I know I'm broke, but I'm not about to show my dangles out there, you know, like <laughs> whatever it may be. But there's these things that happen and we, we can respond. And in doing yeah. so, you can actually start crafting your identity the way you want it to be. So at the core of this, Anthony, are you saying that anyone can be anything that they want to be? No, anyone can be anyone they want to be. Hmm. It's a difference, right? You, having anything, having something and being someone who has it is different. They're two different things. To be the person who has a million dollar house, that's something besides having it. For example, I can have it and be a trashy human being. Sure. I could be a guy that, that robbed, cheated and still stole to get that house or... I can also be a person that, that's caring and loving and has family that's sick, come live with them, right? And I, I'm the person that has that. What kind of person? You- We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Who are with it, that matters, you know? But yes, anybody can be anyone and anyone can be confident and have self-esteem and have drive and compassion and a work ethic and also Chris, different goals. So when I say I can, I can be anyone, I can be someone that has a billion dollars. I could be that guy. I mean, you could be that guy, but I don't want that life. Dude, I, I, like, I love my life the way it is. I could be that and have that if I really shot for the stars. It's possible. I believe in the world of worlds. It's possible, but I would do a lot more than I want to do, right? So it's not who I am and that's okay. I'm the guy who loved my life. Therefore, I can do this, but it's a choice. I chose to be this guy that has this life. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. Now, this isn't a crisis line. This isn't self-help. This is professional counseling done securely online. 
There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room with traditional therapy ever again. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Visit betterhelp.com slash insight. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash insight and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. So the special offer for anybody listening to Insight right now is 10% off your first month. Just go to betterhelp.com slash insight. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash insight. So what are three things that someone could do right now today if they want to make a shift in their life? You can't do anything ever, ever, ever. No. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's great you asked. So there's actually a process that I created years ago called the shift method. And it does all of this stuff. And there's obviously a lot of in-depth work that we do. However, sure. the top level, we'll call it the 50,000 foot. What it is, it's three steps. C, shift, sustain. That's it. C, shift, sustain. And this is how it works. It's simple. The shift portion is the work. It's the actual things that we do to make the shift. That takes a planning, processing, and execution that most people, they unfortunately, will never get to in their life. We, we just somehow, I, I extracted it from my life. I looked at neuroscience and psychology and said, what if I tried this and made some weird stuff and then put it into the world? People do it. People love it. People get great results. That's the work, right? The thing is, though, most people in life will jump to a certain level of work. They'll go and say, I want to be like so-and-so. Yeah. I'm going to do what they do. So they start doing those things. And what happens, they get to like 45, 50 years old and go, damn, who am I? I was following my boss and I was following this guy on the TV and I was following X, Y, and Z. And man, I, I feel like I climbed this ladder and I got to the top and I realized it was leaning against the wrong building. Hmm. Like, what is this, right? So I've realized that that shift work, we jump in too far too early. It's why the C phase has to come first. The C phase allows you to go in and say, hey, what are my unique and individual sticking points? What's in my blind spot that's holding me back? Because when you got something there, it doesn't even allow you to dream at a vision that, that could be great. Because when we think we can't do something, I don't even put it into my perspective of what I can accomplish, right? If I think I'm stupid and I, I whatever it is, I don't think I can go in and lead a, a program or be a teacher, right? I, I can't even have that dream right now. But when I go back and go, oh, I'm not stupid. I'm dyslexic. I just got to do it different, right? Okay, cool. Oh, then maybe I could do this, 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 right? I can see farther. And then also it allows you to see what I call your pinky finger power. When I did American Ninja Warrior, I learned uh, that when you're training your grip strength, on your hand, the most insignificant finger is your pinky to a lot of us. This is a pinky finger. It's for putting up in the air when you sip on tea, right? <laughs> right. But the reality is you cut the pinky finger off, you lose 50 plus percent of your grip strength. Wow. Uh, right? Insignificant, incredibly powerful in comparison. So I found that when you can see these things and you as a human, you go, wow, okay, now I see what's in my blind spots. I also get to see what's unique to me. And then I can also see where I can go with this. 
now I know who I want to be because I've now said, here's where I'm at. That's the identity I want to go to to get to that level. There's a gap here. I know my power. How do I close that gap? Well, now I go and say, let me do the shift work because now I know what the right work is. And it might be different. For a lot of people, unfortunately, they're doing work that's in comparison to a horrible scale. They compare themselves to this world's scale, right? So it's like, I want to accomplish this thing. And they go do some work and accomplish it. The world goes, oh, you only made $100,000. You didn't make 150. You didn't make a million. You didn't make a billion. And every day you're like, oh, I worked so hard for that. It was worthless. No, it wasn't worthless. It's worthless in comparison to that scale. But that scale sucks. It just does. So I go, what's my scale, man? What's great for me? So when I go to that shift work, I know what my gap to close and what matters in my life and what's good. Like I said before, like I'm, maybe I didn't, I'm in season of dad right now, which means that when four o'clock hits, like I'm off the clock, dude, I'm at home. I'm picking kids up from school. I am yeah. dad I'm going to swim practice, sit in the car, all that normal stuff. And a lot of people be like, bro, but you could do da 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 da. It could be in this. I could, but it would mean I have to choose in the evening to keep on working instead of keep on loving on my kids. Yeah. So my scale is gauged on that. So if I someone goes, but what are you doing? Da, da, da. Well, you ain't here. Like you're right. I'm not there. And guess what? Based on my scale, I'm right here and I'm great. And I'm feel good about that. And that's cool. So this is so when I'm shifting, I am looking at that guy that I want to be. And I do the work to shift into that guy. The last part of it, if someone's like, hey, what do I do? Well, first we said C, take a look at your life, self-awareness. Two, do the work to actually progress the direction you want. Third thing is sustain. Now, sustain is simply saying, stay the course. Those are the three. Where I want to go, do the actual work to shift in that identity, sustain it over time. If you do not sustain it, it will fall back where it went, like where it came from. Like a lot of people, if you're in business, there's always ups and downs. Because what you do to get to the top, you stop doing because you get lazy. Like, oh, I got there. And then you slide back down before you know it. You go back up again. Yeah. All the time it happens to people. So I'm like, okay, take a look at your life and who you are. How can you sustain the, the identity you're in now and also sustain a desire for more? It doesn't mean that I don't love what I have. I do. But also humans are happier in motion. The magic of life is in the motion. Like if I'm just sitting here doing nothing, like if I'm here by myself, not talking to you, I'm cool, but not as happy as I am right this moment talking. Sure, I'm in sure. motion, right? There's yeah. something to that. We as humans, there's a joy in expression. That's why we like working out. We like running. We like competing. We like doing. We find joy in doing. For me, it's like, Make sure that that's doing in the right direction. Since you're in dad mode right now, dad. was it a difficult shift to go from husband mode to dad mode? Uh, well, I've always I've been a dad before husband. I was that okay. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I did it the right way, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, man, it, it's kind of one and the same. Because at the end of the day, being a great dad is heavily tied to, in my opinion, being a great example. And when I look at what I want my kids to, to have as spouses later, it's got to be kind of like my wife and myself. Yeah. I want my daughter to know what kind of man to be able to, to be around. If he doesn't treat you in a, a certain way, like, don't be with that guy. And then I want my boys to know, like, this is how you treat somebody, how you love, respect, care, and, and how so succeed when you have to as a man, right? And then at the same time, I want my boys to know, like, that's the kind of woman I should have my wife aspire to be. Not like my mom, but, you know, respect, care, hard work, love. Like, she, if, if, look at qualities and go, I like those qualities, right? And yeah. also my, my daughter be like, okay, that's how I am a good wife or a good spouse. I'm not saying like subservient. My, it's not even the case in my family, but it's like, I want my kids to see it. So when you say, what, what's the difference? It's actually one and the same or, or I'm doing something wrong, I think, 
right? How I show up relationship wise for my wife is obviously vastly different. Sure. But sure. They, they all, they all tie together because also my marriage, it wouldn't work if I wasn't a great parent, you know? It's, I think it's, it's a unique synergy that has to happen for all that to be well. If you're the identity guy, you're the shift guy, you must be holding a mirror up every single day, looking oh, at yourself going, man, am I doing this right? You have to. If I, if I didn't do this work, I could not teach it. I am, I, I am a creepy integrity guy. <laughs> okay. I, dude, I do not like being out of integrity. I don't even like people that bubble on out of integrity. It unsettles the dog crap out of me. Because it's, it's one of these things where of all the things in life, like just if you don't have integrity, things will always be awkward around you. You'll do things, say things, take money. You do the things that, that are like small pieces that damage massive parts of life. Like I, I, for example, my son, he found 20 bucks the other day. He's in elementary school and gave it to the teacher. Bro, it was one of the greatest things that, that he's ever done. Like it made, it made my heart swell because some parents will be like, why you get that money back? We could have took 20 bucks home, right? Someone will do that. And I'm like, no, bro, he acted in integrity. Yeah. And that'll get him far more because you're going to have to do what's right even when no one else wants to do it. Even if it feels wrong, if it's the right thing to do and it's still hard, you got to do that. And so when I look at all these things, like that's a big, big piece of who I am and how I want my kids to operate, how I want to operate. So yeah, I, I don't know where the question previous to that was going, to be honest. I just know I started answering good integrity. So if you want to ask it again, you can. But like, <laughs> no, no that was, I mean, that was perfect. I said, do you have to oh, hold it? Oh, I know what it was. Day? Yeah. So for me, when I show up my everyday life, I do it in a way knowing that I can talk about this, speak about this, and no one's going to come up and go, yeah, but you didn't do this, this, and this. Yeah. I, you said to do this and you aren't following suit. Like yeah. I tell people all the time, I at any given time have four weeks out of my calendar. I talk about it a lot. Every Sunday, I won't go to bed until I've got that four weeks in my calendar because I, God forbid someone in a Zoom call says, hey, Anthony, can you show me your calendar? You said you got four weeks out and I only got two. That's a little thing. You know, it's a little thing, right? You plan the next four weeks of your yeah, life and your business? Yeah, four weeks. I can any given, this is week one. I can any given Oh, he time. writes it down, like physically. It's, it's, oh, it's physically and digital, three and four. And actually, I think it went five. I got a little, a little no, that's the fifth week right there. But I, I, I'm five weeks out of the calendar. What's going on? If I don't have that, dude, I, then I feel like I'm out of integrity because I talk about it all the time. Yeah. That, that's the thing. So when I lead this stuff, I'm doing this stuff. Yeah. No, it's, it's say what you do and do what you say. That's what it is. It has to be, man. You've had some shifts in your life. And I'm curious to know, if we look at a few different parts of your life, what's mm -hmm. the biggest lesson you learned? Start with the NFL. What's the biggest lesson you learned from the NFL? In the NFL, man, NFL, that was the, uh, there's a lot of stuff in the NFL, dude. But I, I'll tell you one. One is uh, you got to get, they, they say you got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. It's a very uncomfortable environment. And I'm going to say this, and I don't believe that people really uh, fully grasp what, when they hear that, what this means. So let me think of it like this. Whenever I hear people say comfortable being uncomfortable, what I've noticed is people think it means be okay. Just be okay being uncomfortable. And I took it to a level of understanding in NFL of what it really meant. And what it really means is this. If I think being like comfortable, I'm thinking, man, wintertime, Fire's out, like I got hot chocolate, family's on the couch, I got a blanket, I got a, my favorite movie rolled up, I can't wait to watch it. It's a new release, maybe. It's an Avengers <laughs> movie, I don't know what, right? I'm, I'm just feeling good. And then what happens is like that, dude, that makes my stomach feel warm and comfortable. And if you don't have that level of comfort with problems or, you know, uncomfortable situations where they come, you're going to falter and struggle in life. 
Because mm. in the NFL, every single day they told you, you're going to get cut. You didn't get a job. Someone wants your job. You made a mistake. Keep doing that. We're going to send you home. And you're away from your family. No one here cares about you because you're taking food out of their family's mouth, right? It's, and you got to go out there and give all of your physical body every day when you're tired, when you're hungry, when you're beat up. It, it pulls at every emotional string. It is so uncomfortable. The only way you stick around is if you find some weird way to enjoy that. It, it's, dude, I'm telling you, it's, it's, it, it's super odd. But in my life right now, bro, I love problems. I'm in the midst of, I wouldn't call them problems, but I'm in this, like, I call it the hockey stick. All of a sudden, the, the, this pandemic is ending and my life is shooting up from the opportunities, uh, the connections, the calls. It is hockey sticking. And a lot of people, I, I promise, if I sat down and be like, that's a lot, uh, pause, pull back, figure it out. I'm like, speed up, dog. Like, bro, I, I love this stuff. It's, it's palpable. And I have a different sense of engagement with it. But it's because discomfort, it kind of turns me on, dude. Like, because I get to see what I'm made of. And so football, it taught me that from a physical standpoint, but mentally now I can apply that in so many areas and I don't have as much fatigue or drain. So when most people are like, oh, bro, I just, you got a lot going on. Like you just take a pause, like take a little vacation. For what, dude? I worked for this. You know how many years I, I worked to get to the point where I feel like I want to quit? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. It sounds crazy, but that's what it dials into, man. Yeah. Well, they, they say the NFL is, you know, stands for not for long. I'm curious if you had a plan when you were going into the NFL, what you were yeah. going to do after, whether it was one season, three seasons or 20 seasons. After I was an open trucks is trunks. I'm dead serious. What is it? Trucks is trunk. What's that? So, so whenever I was in high school, I used to do a lot of car stereo installation. Even in college, I did car stereo installation. I was like, I'm going to open up a car stereo place and it's going to be called trucks is trunks. That was my that was my plan. Now, when I went to school, uh, I got a degree in kinesiology. So when I came home, I actually did focus on like opening a gym. I didn't have a plan, but I did have an uh, idle hands. And so I got hurt August eighth, two thousand and eight, and I had surgery. I want to say in like October ish of of two thousand and eight, and then I opened a gym that opened January of two thousand and nine. Oh I just my gosh. so four months from me being on a football field. Yeah, it went to Pittsburgh Steelers in August. Four months later, I was opening a gym back home. Oh my god! I'm, I'm an idle hands dude. I just I like to do things, and so that was what it was, man. I just I rocked and rolled, and that was the beginning of life. I've I've never really been out of the public eye. I was thinking about this with my wife the other day. Ever since I was in high school, I was the guy in the newspapers and all that kind of stuff from like sophomore year. Guy in the newspapers from there to college, from college to the NFL, NFL to the gym, gymmed on stage. Yeah. Since, dude, since I was 16 years old, I've never not been like in the front of things and active. And it's, it's a speed that I'm normalized to now. And it's kind of a weird thing when I think about it like that. But yeah, dude, like I didn't have a plan. The plan was just not to slow down. You know, The Rock told me something in an interview years ago that's always stuck with me because, you know, The Rock's dream was to play in the NFL. Mm -hmm. He got cut from the CFL and, yeah. you know, The Rock never made it. And mm -hmm. I asked him if he could go back and change anything, would he? And he said, no, I wouldn't change anything because sometimes the best things in life are the things that don't happen. And can you imagine how different your life would be if you didn't get injured? If you played a season or two or 20 with the Steelers, it'd be a completely different life. Whole different life. I'd have different friends. I wouldn't probably know you, to be quite honest. Yeah. Uh, and it, but that's the truth of it all. It's, it's the nature of the beast, dude. And I, and I actually appreciate this because my brain is healthy. I have a, a physical body that's that's a little beat up, but I can hang. But the reality is, is this comes to that tree thing, right? I have 
in my life now, I believe I have more and sweeter fruit than I ever could have had playing in the NFL. Mm. I don't have to worry about a job being here and not there tomorrow. My body's not the thing that I'm hoping sticks around so I can keep on playing it. It's not, it's not up and down because NFL, dude, it is up and down. You're hot today and you are hot never again sometimes, you know, like it, it's just this weird and someone else is in full control of your life. Like I know at any given time where I'm going to be for the next two months, three months, be here at this time at five o'clock, eat this, go here, show it. Don't do this. Don't, it's like, oh, it sounds good, but it's a different breed of life. Yeah. Whereas now where I can get up, take my kids to school, I can pick them up from school. I can choose to do work I want to do and not want to do. I get to express myself. It's, it's different. Like I would, would I love to put a helmet on? Hell yeah. I want to go run down one time. But after that, bro, like, what do you do? And so I'm in an enduring situation where life is vastly better. Let's look at the time when you were in foster care. What's the biggest lesson that you take away from that portion of your life? Foster care was, uh, people suck, man. People kind of suck. I mean, but the reality is at the same time, man, people are supposed to suck. It mm. gives you the ability to have the, the gauging of the difference of what's going on. Now for me, Dude, I, I realize that that we we want everybody to be great around us, but I think if you don't have the thing that that people suck and realize that people are great because of that, like it's it's you miss out on life. Because here's what I do believe: the best and worst parts of life are people. Period. The best things in my life are people. The worst things are people. Now, when I look back at foster care, people suck, and it doesn't mean that people suck and it can't change. I've realized that people suck most of the time because they were not given the right tools. Somewhere on the lines that they missed out on the homeschooling and the home training they needed to become better people. And it's like, as opposed to being pissed, I have compassion. And that's a little different, right? Yeah. And so when I look at it that way, it's like, man, foster care was this thing where it was, it was one thing that I absolutely do not like that it happened, but I appreciate it because there's also a statement I live by, which is a smooth sea makes not a skilled sailor. Hmm. So in life now, dude, when, when things pick up and the whole world goes crazy like we just had, bro, everybody else is under the deck, riding the waves out, crying, hoping it doesn't capsize. Bro, I'm on, I'm on the deck of the ship, sipping tea, singing songs in the rain. It's <laughs> different, a different environment for I live my life, dude, and it's a lot more fun. Sipping tea with your pinky out, of course. All day, bro. You, you got to have the pinky out, pimp. <laughs> I, did you ever connect with your mom? Did you ever get to... I haven't talked to her. I haven't talked to her. Um, uh, yeah, no, I haven't. Is that something to you want to do? Nope. She's crazy, dude. Last mm -hmm. time I talked to her was 2004 when my son was born. Mm -hmm. And she was still claiming that the state of California had paid the government $10,000. Sorry, paid the uh, state of California paid her boyfriend $10,000 to beat her up so they could take us from her. Super weird, dude. Wow. Super weird dynamics. And I'm like, well, you're trying to tell me that the state paid some arbitrary dude money to take some kids they didn't want? Yeah. What are you talking about? And I'm like, I'm like, I'm 20 years old. I'm like, I'm not a child anymore. Can you tell me the truth? That's what happened. I was like, all right, when you want to tell me the truth, feel free to call back. Yeah. And that was 17 years ago. Wow. What's the biggest lesson you've learned from being a father? Biggest lesson is I know far less than I think I know. <laughs> and I'm not talking about parenting. I'm talking about life. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's one of those things where kids teach you a lot if you're willing to learn the lessons. And I don't mean they sit there with a pencil and paper and teach you. I mean, they teach you through their experiences of you, what they tell you, of you that they see of you. And they, they, they teach you through like a, a reflective mirror, to be quite honest. It's even a matter of watching how they live their life, right? Yeah. It tells you whether or not you're doing it right. 
because they'll do what they see, not what you say. Yeah. And that I think that is one big thing that for me, in my opinion, like that's taught me a whole hell of a lot as a dad. And it's also one thing like you got to respect everybody, even if you're in a position of power. Because I want my kids to have self-respect in the world, which means they'll put their foot down when they shouldn't have something happen to them. They'll, they'll stand up for themselves, but not if they don't feel like they have the reason to be respected. And so what is who is the most core person and people to make them feel like they have respect or should be respected? Parents. Mm-hmm. So if I do something wrong, I'll let them know like, hey, man, I dropped the ball, dude. I messed up. I love you. I'm, I'm dad, but I'm not, I'm not perfect. I'm not infallible. And I believe that is one big piece that a lot of parents miss is like, you got to be able to apologize to your kids. You have to. Yeah. And finally, since you're owning the stage now, what's the big lesson, the big takeaway from sharing the stage with people like Brennan Burchard or other huge names? Yeah, dude, it's weird, bro. That That's the hockey stick, dude. I'm all, I'm all <laughs> of a sudden, um, it's weird. Here's the thing. I think people, they look at it like I'm a special dude. Bro, I'm, I'm sitting here in basketball shorts and, and, and slippers. You know, like I'm in my office. I'm well, we, t- we wouldn't, you don't even have to be wearing shorts. We'd never know. Zoom. Yeah, you're right. But I think of it like I'm a regular guy and I will tell people this. I'm a regular dude with an irregular desire to help people that I can promise you for sure. And I think that a lot of people have, like you say, what's it like to be in these stages? Dude, it's, it's still me. I just have other people around me. Yeah. That's the only way I can explain. It's just, uh, it's other, it's other thing. So for me, when I look at it, I try to explain to people that like, it's cool and it's a great experience, but like, this is not my, I haven't made it. To be honest, I I live by this concept of the idea by my life is not to be like, I'm not happy with the destination. I I fall in love with my day, not just the destination. Because I'm going to have a lot of destinations, man. One of them I've landed on is like, I get to May 27th, I'm going down to to Arizona to film with Dean and Tony and Lewis and Prince and like, you know, like the cool guys that are all going to be in Arizona, right? Then I'm going to get to go speak on stage for the 5,000 people, share it with Tony Robbins again, like, He's a dude, you know, he's the dude in the game. Brandon Burchard, but he is like, he's like my godfather in this whole industry. He's the one that entered me into it. And most people are like, oh man, I'm taking nothing from those men. They are phenomenal humans and women that we get to work with. But I love my day more than I love that. Because hmm. if I only shot for that, I would live my days unhappy, waiting until I got there. So well, that's all cool, man. Like I love getting up in the morning and getting my, my protein, chocolate, peanut butter, oatmeal. And then I love going from that to get my kids up and taking my kids to school and bugging them while they get dressed and hugging my wife in the morning. And then I come back and hang on my meetings. And then when they're done, I get to go get my kids and I get to spend time like, dude, that I love all that. The cool thing is within that, I am doing things that lands me in cool destinations like that. Yeah. So like, it is amazing. I love these guys. I love picking their brains. I love being in, in the realm. But the cool thing is like, I don't even go in, I don't go in those spaces like, well, is it going to work? I'm not even apprehensive because like, that's not, that's not the show for me. The show was a couple of days before watching my daughter swim. Cause that's my life I created, right? This stuff is cool stuff that helps that, but like, it's a different, it's a different ease for my life, man. But it is, man, I'm not going to lie. It is incredibly humbling to know that, that the process and the work that I've put in has turned into something where like the world is starting to see the ability yeah. to, have to, to prove, right? It's and hockey I'm, sticking. It's hockey sticking, cuz. <laughs> you asked me a question on your podcast that I had a very difficult time answering. And I want to ask you that same question Dude, before we you, wrap things up. So this is like the second time someone's done this to me. What promise did God make to the world? He created you. 
I can't hear you. I'm going through a tunnel. What no. a what a what a powerful question. <laughs> Stop me in my tracks when you ask yeah. me. What promise did God make to the world when he created me? Yeah, it's a good question, man. Right? Great it's question. Dope. Um, you know, to be quite honest, I, I think the answer, I think the answer ends up being something where for me, I'm gonna give you the I've heard 250 of these answers. Mm-hmm. And and there's two areas that I think really covered and then I'm gonna give you my answer. Okay. One okay. is the best ones I hear are based in the realm of service. Because the question is, what promise did God give to the world, right? It wasn't that I'd be dope. Yeah. That wasn't, that wasn't, that wasn't the promise he gave. I think that the promise that God gave of my life was I would be one of the ones that serves people. Cause I take it, some people take it as the creator and that bigger thing. Like I look at it as a faith basis, a man that believes in God and loves God. Like he created me not to serve myself, but to serve him. And in service to him, I service people, right? So there's a piece of that. I also believe that he, he created me as an example of how to live a life that most people don't think exists. So I, I went through a lot of hardship and most people would be, if you, if you heard my backstory and I told you I was a career criminal, you'd be like, ah, I get it, man. The kid had a rough go of it. You know, that would be, you would accept that. Sure. But instead I was like, I'm going to create a damn cool life because I want, I want to be an example to the people that he wants me to, to serve that look, I have lived through some dark crazy like you're living through. And I'm telling you there's a better way. I'm telling you it's possible to have something amazing. And I believe God's promise was saying, look, I'm giving you guys hardships. You can experience hardship, but I'm also giving you someone who's done it who can help you get better. Mm. I've loved this conversation. Yeah, me too, dude. Thank you so much. I end every conversation talking about gratitude. You see it behind me here. Be great, be grateful. Be great, be grateful, cuz. And I think that if you can be grateful, you will live a great life. So what are three things in your life that you're grateful for right now? Uh, I am grateful for, one, I'm heavily grateful for my wife. She is a damn trooper, bro. She, and people don't even know the full story. But if they do, go look it up. It's a good story. We have a weird love story. It's kind of odd, but it's cool. But she is the one that allows my crazy to be accepted and, uh, and actually allows me to, to do what I do, right? Because to be with someone who would not understand or allow you to do something that, that is a passion of yours, it's very confining. But I feel more free in my relationship than a human can imagine. Hmm. Like I don't have any barriers, any walls. I get to do, for the most part, whatever I want, but to an extent, right? I understand the relationship sure. and how it works. So like, which lets me be me. I love that. Um, I am incredibly grateful for the family God's given me. And when I say family, I am not talking about the, the, the people in my house. Family, because of my foster care, I've realized extends far past the blood. So my family here, my extended family, and I would consider you like family. We are this humongous planet of people all connected. There's a different sense of family. God has given me an amazing family from the one that gave me away. You know, like he said, hey, you don't need to be with them. Like, I'm gonna give you a better one. And we've created a really cool global family, just dope people that I have some odd way of meeting and interacting with. The third thing that I'm incredibly grateful for is the heart of me that's the, like the metaphysical heart. Because I think that, that God could have easily given me vastly different skills and abilities and everything and a different heart to do different stuff and a different body, right? But man, he gave me this, this vessel. We'll call it the vessel beyond the heart. He gave me this vessel to do some cool stuff. And so I'll, I'll anchor, like, I know that, that I'm not an ugly person. And, and I hate that this is the way our world works. But people, 
they, they look at people who aren't, you know, attractive and there's something like they don't pay attention to it. It's super odd the way that humans have this psychology of like, they'll listen to someone. They, people think a, a man that's six foot tall and handsome must make six figures. Why is our psychology that way? I don't like it, but it's the reality. But I, I feel like God gave me the ability to do that. He also put me in a position to play in the NFL. I think God also gave me the ability to have a heart of compassion and love for people. He also gave me all the hardships, all the craziness, and I'm grateful for all those things. He gave me a crazy, crazy life, but also gave me the heart, compassion, and an adoptive mom to love me so that at the end of the day, this vessel that's experienced all these things simply had the ability to be on a certain level, we'll call it a pedestal in a position to make an impact. Hmm. I'm grateful that I was given a vessel and given experiences that allow me to be in a place where people will just listen. Now, what I say, I have to work on what I say, but at least I'm in a position to have people listen so I can make this world better. I love it. Thank you so much, brother. Very welcome, my dude. I love these kinds of conversations. Man, big thank you to Anthony for spending his time with us and a bigger thank you to you for being on this audio adventure with us. I hope you were taking notes during this. And if not written notes or notes, you know, typed down in your iPhone, I hope you were taking some mental notes here because he was speaking some powerful truths. Take a screenshot. Let us know what stood out for you the most in this one. Tag Anthony on social media. He's at Anthony Trucks. Tag me. I am at Chris Van Fleet. And I'll leave you with a quote from Anthony Trucks himself. I love this. The secret to a new and better life isn't a shift in mindset but a shift in identity. Be great. Be grateful, my friends. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on the next one for some more insight. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.